We thank you for victory. We thank you for um, uh, pathways to get through the enemy's um, resistance. Lord, you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And so cover all that pertains to us and those who are working for us, praying for us, those who love us, those who are listening today. Cover and keep all of us, Lord God, through the divine uh, protections that you've authorized for the children of God. And I thank you now for giving us wisdom as we talk about uh, sifting, being sifted as wheat, and the uh, events around the crucifixion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, you know, there are so many powerful events and teachings that are taking place at the time of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. In, in, you know, in, um, another thing, too, is that when you think of in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all these things, powerful teachings and revelations were given that night, mm-hmm. uh, the night of the Passover, where the Passover was basically shifted, uh, uh, shifted up, should we say, mm-hmm. <laughs> put into a whole Upgr- new... Upgraded. Up, upgraded mm-hmm. into the <laughs> new covenant mm-hmm. that was going to be fulfilled and brought in through Jesus Christ himself, the mm-hmm. Lamb of God who was to take away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the Old Testament was simply the the foreshadowing, um, the precursor to the New Testament, to the the actual sacrifice of the Lamb of God. So the, the lambs that were slain in uh, Passover time were now going to be um, brought to completion, and Jesus Christ was going to finish that. Finish. The, he says, um, "All the law is fulfilled in this. I've come to fulfill the law, and then move it up into this new dimension." of being part of the kingdom of God. But here, just kind of recapping what we talked about last week, there was a big squabble between the um, disciples. You know, it was a, a place of, uh, well, first of all, the problem was sitting, where we're we going to sit at the table. And so the, the highest, most esteemed place would be, of course, the one next to Jesus. Um, so Jesus didn't sit at the end of the table or the head of the table. It was like a horseshoe-shaped table. And he sat on the, um, I would say it was, as you would face the horseshoe, he was on the, the left side, second place in. And so um, John, the, uh, the beloved, sat in that first place in on the horseshoe on the left side. But the most honored place next to, the, next to Jesus would be the one to his left, which was where Judas took that place for himself. It was very interesting. But you see that when you see all the dynamics. And Peter himself took the lowest place on the other side of the horseshoe on the right side, the first place. So if you can picture all that. So they're talking and they have this conversation. They're being doing a lot of teaching. And back and forth, you know, they say, well, who is it? You know, Peter's talking to John, giving a little eye contact. Who is it? But backing up just a tad. Okay, so they were fussing about who's going to sit at the table, where we're going to sit, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. And so this is kind of interesting because we're in the middle of this beginning of this huge drama, which is going to end in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and they still don't get it. Yeah, and in the position that they were in around this low uh, horseshoe-shaped table, you know, probably sat up maybe only six, eight inches, but they were 
they were uh, reclining, you know, right. kind of like up on, <coughs> excuse on, me, up elbow. on one elbow mm-hmm. uh, with their feet going away from the um, and so one table. Of the, yeah, so one of the things that came up was, of course, being um, Jesus was trying to warn them. This is, this is not what you think it is. Just a couple of days before that, they had gone through the triumphal entry. People were saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, raising, waving all the palms, throwing down their cloaks. Uh, it was just a, a super high point. And from that point on, everything went downhill. And they were not yet ready to go to that descent. I think they really still all had in their minds that this is going great. Um, we're doing lots of miracles, casting out devils. We're gaining in popularity. popularity. I know Jesus is getting into a little squabble here and there with the Pharisees, but oh, well, you know, that'll all get settled down when he becomes the king and takes over the kingdom. But they didn't realize this was his first coming, and so they were a little bit um, unprepared for what was about to happen. While Jesus, you know, gradually was preparing his disciples for being, you know, delivered up mm-hmm. to be crucified. And uh, so the, the the tide was turning against Jesus. I mean, the popular tide... There was a time where multitudes came and well, it was they a thought, sudden oh, turning. it was wonderful. But it, you know, gradually, if you see in John chapter 6, especially, is a turning point right. where you're getting away from the popularity of Jesus. Yeah. And and then it seems like, wow, they're worshiping him, like you mentioned on Palm Sunday, what we call oh, yeah, Palm yeah. Sunday. But then here we're getting right down to the nitty-gritty of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and he brings in these powerful teachings, the drama and the the power of that time at the Lord's Supper is amazing because you had Judas there, you had disciples that were fighting over who was going to be greatest, and then you had Judas who was had for a long time, quite a while, he was plotting to um, destroy Jesus. So we have Jesus preparing uh, them in a in the midst of a very emotional, conflictual, dramatic, uh, difficult, s- s- confusing time. Just like we are in today, a lot of confusion about emotions and drama and what's going to happen and why are we here and yeah, this is the Passover we're doing it, but what what's really going to happen? So Jesus, he knew what he was doing, and yet they hadn't they hadn't really grasped it. So in in uh, Luke chapter. Um, 22 verse 31 Jesus gets very specific with Peter because Peter says I will never leave you I'll go with you everywhere anywhere do anything I'll die for you blah 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 and this is what um, Jesus came back with well I'm going to read it from the amplified bible Luke 22 31 31 and 32 for now Simon Simon of course that's referring to Peter listen Satan has asked excessively that all of you be given up to him mm-hmm. out of the power and keeping of God. Mm. So he's just he, a little he's, request he's on saying, Satan's Peter, part. Peter, listen, I'm talking to you, Peter, but what's happening? Satan is after all of you, yeah. that he might sift all of you like grain. Mm-hmm. But then he says in verse 32, but I have prayed especially for you, Peter. Okay. Now, he prayed, we learned from John 17, that he prayed for all the disciples as well. And us. And for us, that extends to us today, yeah, and believers in the future, too. That you own, that your own faith may not fail. And when you yourself have turned again, strengthen and establish your brethren. 
Now, this is a very interesting piece because this really relates to us. Believe it or not, Satan had desired to have Peter. He demanded, in one translation says, desired to have. Another says, Satan demanded to have you. That would be Mm -hmm. you, plural, all of us. Satan demanded to have um, Jesus' disciples, Jesus' followers. He wanted to just kill this thing and, and just this grab the whole thing by the neck and break it before it got any further out of hand because mm-hmm. he was Satan had pretty much run the show um, you know we've had big events where God moved in like with the deluge and with the deliverance um, the Red Sea and stuff like that but for the most part the rule the rule of Satan and the pagan kingdoms ran the world and now Jesus really came in uh, under cover so to speak to plant the seed of the kingdom of God, to really, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek, just a total upset of everything Satan had tried to promote, you know. Um, and, and so now there was a huge battle. Satan says, I want them. And, 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 and Jesus says, Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. How many of us have been sifted as wheat? I mean, you've been ground almost to powder, but God doesn't grind the, the, the there's a verse, I don't remember where it is, doesn't grind the wheat forever. Um, because if you grind it forever, it wouldn't be good for bread anymore. So God does not grind us forever. Or, or we look at it like God is grinding us, but really what it is is Satan is grinding on God to try to get him to be defeated through us. So he's like with, with Job as well. You know, I can I can break him, God. Just let me have Adam. And here he's saying the same thing to Peter. I can break him about Peter. I can break him. I can just let me have Adam. And so, um, and, 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 you know, the problem is truly Satan can sift us as wheat and he can destroy us if we don't know who we are. And this is the bottom line. If we don't know that God is good and we don't know who we are, we, we have no footing in this battle to be sifted as wheat. If you're going with some religious, uh, version of something, you know, some do good kind of gospel, um, some guilt ridden laced gospel where you don't know the grace of God, the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and that we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, we will not stand in this sifting. And that's what Peter, he was. He did not yet know who he was. He thought he knew. He thought, well, I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm, this is it. I found my life's destiny. I'm going to follow Jesus. We're going to take the kingdom. We're going to do good things. We're going to be awesome. And he didn't even know that soon enough, within less than, I don't know, what was it, six, eight hours, he would be denying Jesus at the you know even before the ro- the rooster crowed and 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 the lord predicted that to him and he also says he's he says but he says interesting enough he says when you are converted or when you have returned to me he said jesus says i prayed that your faith does not fail now when jesus prays for somebody their they don't their faith will not fail so jesus was saying i've got this i prayed for you it's all good but you're going to go through it anyway you're going to go through something don't worry, I've got it. The end will be good. It's it all work out in the end. And so many of us, we don't know that. We we think it's up to me. God's mad at me. I must have did something wrong. I'm in this wilderness because I disobeyed God. I'm out of the will of God. All of these confusing, double-minded accusations are really coming from Satan because the Holy Spirit is is leading you into all truth and triumph. And if you want the will of God, that's all you need to have to be in the will of God is to want the will of God because God wants the will of God for you and you want God's will for you. So you're both agreeing. You and God are agreeing. So then you're in the will of God. When you're agreeing with God, you're in God's will, whether it's tough or not, 
whether it's looking good or not. And so many people say it makes it a big issue. Well, you know, look at the circumstances. Look what's going on. You must have missed it. You should have turned right when you went left. Da, da, da. And you know what? That's the devil trying to bring double-mindedness and question either the good of God, goodness of God or our own identity. And so here Peter did not know who he was. Jesus said, you're going to be okay. I'm praying for you. Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. But when you are converted, the, the, old, the uh, King James says, when you are converted, this uh, version I have here, I think it's a RSV. It says, um, when you have turned again. So this process of sifting is also a process of refining. When you're sifting wheat, you have to take out the chaff. You have to grind it. You have to make it useful for something. Nobody can just chew on wheat berries. You want to have them ground into flour so that they're palatable. Yeah, and so Satan, I, I here's one thing that I, I do believe, that Satan gets nervous about certain people in the kingdom of God. I think he can, I mean, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy right. everybody. But right. he senses there are certain people, there are certain anointings upon people. He can't quite figure it out, but he he <laughs> focuses especially he has a radar on, on, on key people in the kingdom of God. Well, and you know, those are the key people. And I think he recognized Peter was one of those key people because Peter was dynamic. He was aggressive. He wasn't really afraid. He was probably too stupid in some ways to be afraid or too ignorant of what was going to happen. And that's with us too. But so Jesus was saying, I got confidence in my prayer to the Father for you. And I am going to, I have prayed for you. You're going to make it. But when you get through, here's the job for you. I want you to convert your brethren. So what is he talking about there? There is a, it's, it's not just about getting saved. It's not just about, you know, uh, you know, accepting Jesus as your savior. There is another part to that. There is a commitment. There's a, now he's my Lord. And when you're converted and it's all about Jesus, it's all about following him. It's not, you're dead. You're dead now. You recognize that you are, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the faith or the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God. So when you get to that point of conversion, then you're super dangerous to the devil. You're a kamikaze Christian at that point. And, you know, you're going to lay down your life. It doesn't matter. You can't be turned to the right or the left. But of course, we still have, we're still in this human body. We still are subject to pain. We still have a mind and a soul that can be twisted, that can be um, tempted, that can be pulled away from God. But the, the Lord knew Peter had to go through this. This was kind of like Peter's, you know, the denial part was kind of like Peter's crucifixion at that point in time. He had to, he had to lay down his life Stop thinking, putting it all the way he thought it was going to go and just give it up. Surrender completely. Surrender to the point where he didn't even know who he was to find out who he was. He had to really come to know who he was through his surrendering to God. So he said, you know, Peter said in verse 33 of John, uh, Luke 22, and Simon Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Now, this was probably the worst-case scenario mm -hmm. he could think of. Was, was what We could go to prison or we could go to, to, to die with yeah. you. He said, and I am, I am ready. And he for, said, in Mark, he said it even, he says, but he said vehemently, if I must die with you, oh. I will not deny you. This is Mark, in, in, you know, Mark's rendition of this. And they all said the same thing. And then Jesus goes back to, to Luke, very interesting passage where he says, and he said to them, Luke uh, 35 of 22, um, when I sent you out with no purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. Then he said to them, but now let him who has a purse take it and likewise a bag. 
and let him who has no sword sell his mantle and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he, and he was reckoned with the transgressors, for, it is written, for what is written about me is about to be fulfilled. And they said, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it's enough. What I see here is now the time is going to change. Before that, they were you know, all well taken care of and everybody loved them and they had what they needed and they could do miracles and blah, blah, blah. We're going into a rough time now. We're going into a time where we need to have a conceal and carry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, he said two swords was enough. And, and unfortunately, Satan uh, got into Peter for a second and he lopped the, head, the ear off the, <laughs> off the servant, which was just another opportunity for Jesus to heal somebody. The last, I think it's probably the last healing he actually did yeah, before he went to the cross. Yeah, that you was know, in the Garden of, of Gethsemane. But here Peter thinks, he says, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. He says, I, I'm ready for anything. Mm-hmm. And and we we find out that he really wasn't. Now it's interesting mm-hmm. where uh, I, I think of a, a, a coach um, that I um, that I used to work with, a basketball coach, and he said, "Well, are you guys you know, ready?" He'd done everything he could to prepare his team for this game. You know, he says, "Are we ready?" You know, I said, "Are you, are you ready?" I said, "We'll find out." Well, he the- said, "We'll find out." You know. The thing is, you think you're ready, but mm-hmm. you find out if you're ready when you actually get into the game. And this discussion was right before Jesus began with, uh, uh, you know, offering the cup. The, you know, this is um, uh, this is my body. This is my blood. You know, passing the Paschal Lamb, eating all these things, and moving forward to the crucifixion. So Jesus was submitting to the will of the Father, and in in drinking that, he was preparing to drink that cup of atonement himself. And yet the disciples, they just thought, well, this is the Passover. This is a nice time. Um, and then he taught them. So they were yet unaware. They hadn't yet gone to the garden. They hadn't yet seen Jesus sweat great, great drops of blood. They hadn't seen yet Judas showing up. I mean, they talked about him at the table, but here he was a couple of hours later showing up. But we have what we have is Satan who knew. In Satan's mind, just think about that for a second. There was a lot at stake right here. This was it. He had to, I believe Satan did not want Jesus to be crucified. Not that Satan's a good guy, but that Satan knew that all the other people he'd ever killed, all the other bloodshed he'd ever shed was his to shed and no, um, he was not guilty for it because they belong to him. And so you can do what you want with what's yours. If you want to break it, you can break it. If you want to kill it, you can kill it. But he was up to this point, seemingly, legally, okay. So I don't believe he really wanted to take uh, Jesus out at the, at the cross because he knew something was up because that was there was still in the back of his mind this conversation God had had with the serpent in the garden about uh, put enmity or war between your seed and the seed of the woman and he was is this the seed of the woman is this the one we have to be careful of? because this is the only guy I've ever seen in the last how many thousand well, yeah four thousand who years. has never yielded to me <clears throat> to my never, temptations and, and remember all the times Satan tried to get him to sin I believe Satan wanted to get Jesus to sin and it would have been all over. Because then Jesus would have been super disqualified, you know, from laying himself down as the sacrificed lamb because he would have been blemished. He couldn't have done it. And so he tried in the wilderness. And remember what the question was Satan asked Jesus all the time. Well, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, jump down from the temple, turn these stones into bread, you know, um, God will catch you, uh, fall down and worship me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus always had, so he he didn't cave. Jesus did not cave, although he was there forty days, forty nights, hungry. The wild beasts came, but the angels came and ministered to him at the end. So he passed that test. Then Satan, 
um, tried to kill him. Uh, well, first of all, he tried to kill him actually when he was a baby. The, the, you know, the, the blood of the innocents and Jesus fled to Egypt. Uh, tried to get him to sin in the wilderness if you're the son of God. And then um, during his three and a half year ministry, they tried to push him over the edge of the temple. They were always plotting against him. And then we were moving ahead in the garden where Satan again came to him, I believe, and challenged him uh, with in Gethsemane. In Gethsemane, right? Yes. Yeah. And and then we see at the table the betrayal of Judas. So Satan pulled one of his guys off, you know, off the board and took all. And then he was before Pilate, and he had, you know, and and the mobs had crucify, crucify. Well, I don't know. I, that was hatred. That was insanity. That was kind of what's the frenzy that we're in right now is a stoop is a stupor. It's insanity. It's hatred. Um, and it's yeah, just hatred and hate insanity. For, hate for, for what is righteous or what is good. Appears to be righteous anyway. So they, they were, um, so he was, uh, Pilate, are you the truth? Who's the truth? What's the truth? Jesus said, yes, I am. So Pilate was handicapped. He was, his hands were tied. I believe, and I believe we found just recently in uh, documentation that Pilate actually was very impressed with Jesus Christ, wrote a big, long uh, report to Rome regarding Jesus Christ. And that is available even in the um, Library of Congress, I believe. We just heard a, read a whole thing on that. Pilate was very impressed with Jesus Christ, and yet he was in a bad situation, mm-hmm. cornered, and so he had to give him up to the mob who was yelling, crucify, crucify. Now, who was cr- calling that? I believe that was the hatred of the of the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious elders and leaders who just wanted to get him off the scene and Satan was willing to do that, or maybe his demons were willing to do that, and he was not willing to do that. I don't know if there was a sort of a, a mutiny in, in, in his kingdom because the Bible says if the, the who of this world would have known, they wouldn't have. If right. They, if, if the rulers of this world would have known the, basically the power of the cross, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Yes. And then just to wrap up this who are you kind of thing, this is... Then on the, we're, we're going ahead, but we'll back up again. I just want to kind of keep this chain of thought. On the cross, they all were railing at Jesus. If you're the Son of God, we have the same who that the whole thing for Jesus Christ through his whole ministry was one question: Who are you? Who are you? Challenging, who are you? challenging his identity, his God, speculations his authority, about his identity. His, yeah, every who yeah. are? Where'd you get this authority? Uh, yes. You know, and then they had all kinds of names they called them. Well, you're born of fornication. You're a wine bibber. You're a uh, you eat with sinners. You know who do you you know? And he was breaking all their religious rules. So who are you? I mean, it was just so hard for them to comprehend that this rebel was actually authorized by the Almighty God to come down here and save the human race. They just couldn't grasp it. And so um, you have that question for us too: Who are you? Uh, you know. Um, who do you think you are? And this has to be settled in your mind and heart if you're going to go through what we're going through right now, which could be ultimately, as Jesus was kind of predicting for the disciples, some of you are going to be crucified. Some of you are going to give your lives for me. Let's, let's look for a second at this issue of Peter says, I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready to suffer. I'm ready to do whatever. And some of us think like, you know, we're ready. You know, we're ready to face whatever is going to face. And Peter found out he wasn't ready, but he became ready later on. Can we? Can you just, Margie, talk a little bit about that, where we, we sense we're spiritually, we're, we're ready to go, well, we go, and the, then we find out, like, we're really not. 
Well, I think the reason we get confused about that is because there are two sources. One is the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us, who is getting us ready, who yes. is preparing us, who he is leading us into all truth through the trials, tribulations, the teachings, the things that the temptations he's through every one of those. The Holy Spirit is teaching us to receive instruction, wisdom, and basically to surrender, submit, kind of lift up your hands and say, Lord, it's going to be you or nothing. I can't do this. I'm willing. Thy will be done. That's what Jesus said. Thy will be done, O God, in me. You know, And so he became that surrendered sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And through that, God the Father was able to complete the the um, the redemption, the rescue of the children through the shedding of innocent blood, which was the blood of Jesus Christ, who was the lamb. He was the final lamb. And, and so that blood had to be shed because... The, the rule, see, this is all about spiritual stuff, spiritual, we, it's not just about what your eyes can see. It's about what you need to see with your spiritual eyes. There's this war between God and Satan and the, the stakes are high and we get to be the prize, you know, for either one. If Satan can take us to hell, then we're his prize. But we have to realize I cannot talk myself into being a good Christian and I cannot try harder to be a good Christian and I cannot discipline myself. I have to surrender and say, Lord, I cannot do it. I can of my own self do nothing, yeah. Jesus said. But on the other side of that coin, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Too many believers are trying hard to be good. They're trying hard to do a social gospel. They're trying hard to do the right thing, be good, do, you know, uh, get uh, whatever. And they're not having any impact because all they're doing is wearing themselves out, pre- preaching a do good, uh, be good gospel that's laced with guilt. And the minute you don't do it perfect, then you get to be guilty and Satan comes to charge you and then he becomes to bring his demonic judgments on you. And then you go down the chute and say, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? God is right here. I am God's problem. All my problems are God's problems. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. If you get to that place where you're dead yet living and you're okay because it's not, you're not in control. You're just being an obedient servant, an obedient soldier. You're going where the Lord says to go. You'll be fine. But when we try to manage it and figure it all out in this religious confusion, I mean, the counterfeit gospels are out there as, as thick as hair on a dog. And you know what? They're deceiving people. And they're, how do you know if you're in a counterfeit gospel? Well, look at the fruit. What is the fruit of the church you're going through? What is the fruit of the gospel you're believing? What is the fruit of you following that? Are you fearful? Are you, uh, oh, I mean, I mean, really, Jesus Christ is not subjected to fear. Please, people. Perfect love casts out fear. If you're doing anything in your life, stop a minute and think about it. What are you doing right now that's motivated by fear, fear of survival, fear of I won't die, fear I got to do this so I'll be safe? All of that is fear. And Jesus did not was not motivated by fear. Here we see him talking to the disciples about not being motivated by fear. Uh, but by obedience, by faith. Uh, Jesus knew what he was doing. He didn't walk into a trap. He wasn't finally caught by the Pharisees or by Satan. Uh, He knew exactly what he was doing and he was not afraid. We will not need to be afraid if we know we're loved. But if going back again, if you're doing anything, anything you do out of fear, if you dress a certain way when you go to church because you're afraid of what people will say about how you look, you're not, you don't have the right reasons for dressing like that. You should be free of that. You should be dressing, you know, to please the Lord 
and forget about what people are saying. If you're afraid, if you don't do this um, intervention or this medical intervention or this wear this thing or, or stand this way, if you're operating out of fear, you do not know you're loved and you will have no power and you will be ultimately overtaken by that fear, which we see a great dividing happening now. The people who are afraid and the people who are not afraid. We're getting to that place again where there's a strong dividing line. And if you don't know who you are and you don't know you're loved and you're walking and living and operating out of fear, remember, perfect love casts off fear. Fear has his sidekick. Fear's buddy, the demon of fear, the spirit of fear, his sidekick is torment. That's his buddy. And so if you're being tormented, you're not living in victory. You're not living in, it's not easy to live right now on this planet. But we can surely live in victory because God has made it to be so. We can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you cannot go with what you think and feel. You have to go with what you know and what the Word of God says, not how people interpret it to you. Those people out there who say they're leaders and speakers and and truth tellers, most of them are not. They're deceivers. And Jesus says in the last days, the first thing he says, do not be deceived. You know what? Bottom line, Satan is still at war. Even though Jesus died on the cross, Satan is still trying to get what he can out of our lives to, 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 to plunder, plunder God's kingdom. Yeah, and, and of course, one of the ways that Satan was wanting to plunder God's kingdom was to get at Peter, destroy Peter, and, uh, you know, the sifting. So there's that sifting going on right now. There's that separation in our day between the truth and error. So many people think sifting is a bad thing. And un- it's a good thing. It's, it's a, a good, good thing. It's a good. You've got to separate. We're not masochists. We're not, you know, martyrs. Uh, we're servants. Separating the wheat from the chaff and, and the, just, the, the fearful say. versus those that are, are giving courage. Now, the, are given courage, and God is giving us courage in these days. Mm-hmm. We're soldiers. Remember the, the boot camp situation where they're put through these merciless, ridiculous, brutal conditions. Drills. <laughs> yeah, exhausting, uh, humiliating, curling on their bellies in mud, et cetera, et cetera. But why do they do it? Well, because they know that ultimately they want to be a super soldier, a, a, a Navy SEAL or whatever they want to be. They know there's a, there's a purpose for all this sifting and all this trouble. So, and the minute you know that, you've overcome it. If you're, oh, poor me. Oh, the devil's beating up on me again. Oh, what am I going to do? You know, what can I do? You know, wringing our hands. That is not the attitude of the, of the, uh, of the righteous. God has called us to be victorious. We're not victims. Satan's idea is victim. God is victorious. Victorious. And and we see especially with, you know, God is working with us, okay, to will and to do of his good pleasure. And God is, he said, I've prayed for you, Peter, Mm -hmm. that that when you're turned again, you're going to strengthen your brother. You're going to get through this. You're going to deny me before the rooster crows twice. You're going to deny me three times Mm -hmm. that very night. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He probably thought, it's all over for me. I'm done. Mm -hmm. No chance. But after the resurrection, at the resurrection, when the women appeared, they said, go and tell Peter. Mm -hmm. Tell the disciples Mm -hmm. and Peter. Make special mention to Peter that I'm here and I'm alive. And and very likely Peter was thinking, oh, man, am I going to get it? If Jesus is alive, Mm -hmm. the last thing I did was deny him. But Peter... Uh, well, God he, took a spe- Jesus took a special time loved, with Peter. Loved. We read in First mm-hmm. Corinthians fifteen, he appeared to Peter. He had a special time of personal restoration, restoration mm-hmm. to Peter and 
prepared him to not have confidence in himself, but right. to have confidence in God, confidence that was born out in, in, in the day of Pentecost when Peter mm-hmm. was filled with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that, that fear was gone. He, he stood up with the eleven and spoke a powerful message to many of the many of to a lot of those that he was speaking to had called for the crucifixion of Jesus and he spoke boldly and there were about what three thousand saved that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so so Peter turned out fine, but Jesus took time to get him through those times of uh, of failure and, and 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 cowardice actually and made him strong and he was truly a, a strengthener of his. Right. of his brethren. So God made the right choice in selecting Peter from the foundation. And God world. has made the right choice in selecting you, too. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it was it's really the same today, only more, I think it's just more well known, that the whole world is in the place where Peter was in, the disciples, a place of chaos, confusion. We think we're going one direction, and all of a sudden, boom, within seven days, we're heading for the cross. And that doesn't make any sense. And then... We're in that uh, that garden where Judah shows up, and the only thing Peter could do was run. He ran for his life, and then he showed up a little later, and then he sat around, then he betrayed Jesus or de- denied him. He didn't betray him. He denied him. And it wasn't until you said, like, he Jesus came back to him and restored faith and revelation mm-hmm. in, in his goodness. But remember, people, we're in an awesome time, a time of opportunity. We have been called from the foundation of the world to live right now. This may not be the end of the world. Uh, there's at least a thousand years left, so we're, we're not quite at the end, but, you know, the millennium. But we may be in those seven or eight or ten years previous to that. We're called now to be more than conquerors, to live, to do the will of God, to do exploits. It says in Daniel, those who know their God, know who they are, and know their God will do exploits. So what will the rest of them do? I don't know. I don't know. You know, you've got to be like the wise virgins and have that extra oil. Take that extra time to spend with the Lord. You know, you're not as busy as you think. Those things you've got to do today won't matter two days from now, probably. What you need to do, what we must do, our very life depends on, is a continual communication with Jesus Christ, moment by moment, second by second, minute by minute, all about Jesus. What are you doing, Lord? What do you want me to do? Show me what to do. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. You know, this constant conversation with heaven, for crying out loud, heaven is watching us, and we're uh, God's um, foot soldiers, God's soldiers on earth. The kingdom of heaven is 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 moving, and we are part of that. So don't be weary, don't grow weary, and do remember this: all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We are living in an awesome time, a time of great trial. A, a confusion. Don't be led away with the masses. The masses do not know right. the right direction. It says the, the narrow is the gate and few there be that find it. Go with what the Lord, the Holy Spirit tells you. Don't go with what your leaders are telling you necessarily. And please don't go with the masses. They do not have it right. Be You are going to have to give an account to God for your actions, including all of the fear. So stop being afraid. Command the spirit of fear and doubt and double-mindedness and confusion who is plaguing you, tempting you, whatever. Command him to leave you. Command him. Speak. Open your mouth. People say, well, I prayed. I prayed, God, please heal. God says, all right, I told you, I gave you the power. Go ahead and declare it. Instead of begging God to do it 
and you're not telling God what to do. You're just saying, God, you said, I command, I declare, I rebuke, I, you know, cast out, whatever it is. You use your words out loud to deal with the devil in your life, whether it's confusion or fear or torment or accusation or witchcraft or whatever. You use your words and bring it back to God for God to bring the judge, the justice. And like the enemy was after Peter to sift him, to destroy him, basically to cut him off. So the enemy in our day, there's a there's an overwhelming uh, atmosphere of yeah. evil. There's, there's evil narratives. Mm-hmm. There's over. It's an oppressive, dark time in the world right now. But listen, like Marjorie was saying, these are days of opportunity. See the opportunities you have to stand for the Lord, and like and and stay. Keep yourself filled with the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Let Jesus speak to you moment by moment. Walk with Him. And and He in Romans twelve twenty one says, "Do not be overcome by evil." Yeah. So Satan was wanting to overcome Peter, and he's wanting to overcome us. Don't be overcome by evil. Say, "No, I'm not." Mm-hmm. But overcome evil with, with good. good. Amen. Father, we just thank you for such an opportunity, such a day, such a time as this. Even as you've called us to live in these very interesting days, Lord God, we give you praise that you are the God, the way maker. You said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So you make a way for each one today who's stuck in a situation where they don't know how to get out, but you are the way out. You know, the children of Israel didn't know how they were going to get away from Pharaoh's armies, and you made a way, a spectacular way for them. Noah and his day, he didn't know how he was going to survive the evil that was all around him. You made a way. Lord God, you are the way maker. You have awesome things ahead. Let us not grow weary. Let us not uh, beat on one another. Let's lift one another up in prayer. Let's love one another, forgive one another, understand that you are the truth. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for the truth, the revelation of your truth, for victory, victory, and more victory uh, through your Holy Spirit, through your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And Lord, we, we, Lord oh. empower us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Empower us in these days yes. to stand true to you and to have no matter what we're facing. Yes. Amen. And we also want you to also be take advantage of our uh, website, liferecovery.com to find a lots of helpful, inspiring things, whether they're CDs, books, or even, um, uh, God on trial, which is a very powerful audio drama that, uh, it would in, enhance, inspire, bless you completely if you would uh, like to check into that, those CDs are available as MP3s for download or as hard copies. And so we encourage you to take some, you know, advantage of some of these opportunities and situations uh, and, um, you know, as resources to build up your faith. And we bless you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. May his will be done in all of us. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Rescue Radio, because there's a war for your soul.